CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday, everybody. It's time for Options Action. Here's what we've got on deck for the show. Coming up on The Big Show... Carter Worth thinks the search giant could be poised for a breakout. He'll explain why. Then, if you think the Twitter birds lost enough altitude, my co is a safer way to take wing in the near term. Plus, you can call it U.S. Steel. And you can call him Dan Nathan. And he'll show you how to mark the spot on X for the win. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts now. And let's get right to it. We are gearing up for the busiest week of earnings season with tech heavyweights like Alphabet, Facebook, and Apple all on deck to report results. It's been a hot year for the sector with the XLK tech ETF now up more than 33% and hitting a fresh all-time high. Chartmaster says there's one name in the space that is set to surge when it reports next week. Carter Worth is over at the platform to break it down. Carter. So we've had a, it's been a mixed bag, right? Netflix was quite uh, poor action after its results. Amazon quite poor. Apple's been good. This is one of the few big, big super cap uh, names left, and I would say this is going to be one of the good ones rather than one of the poor ones. So one-year chart, um, several things I would point out just to get us going. If you wanted to, right, you can call this kind of thing up and handle. People like that setup, meaning that you approach a high, you can't do it, you back away, but you back away and make a shallower low and then reapproach it. There's a lot of tension to that kind of setup for ultimately exceeding the high. But if I remove all that and just go back to the regular chart, what we also know, exact same chart, is that we have now, of course, and you can see this, right, we were in these well-defined, and we are now out. It has, here's the zoom, we have broken out above that top. Okay, now hold that thought, and let's bring it back to the really long-term chart and look at the all-time high and where we might be headed. But first, the opportunity is the fact that Google has underperformed the NASDAQ 100 for four years. Think about that. Now, it's one of the biggest constituents in the NASDAQ 100, and it is making relative lower low like this for three years. I think this is at an end. Google is likely to catch up, to break out. Here are the last few charts to make the point. Here's the setup. Here are the lines. And this all-time high, right, which was in April, is uh, 1296, 1297. We close at 1264. Uh, a 2.5% move would get you there, and that's probably what an earnings uh, beat or a good outcome would do, which would get you a breakout above the tops that have been in effect for the basically the past uh, two years. Okay, so Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, so I like Google. Uh, you know, I feel fairly constructive on the market right here, but I will say this thing has had quite a run right here. And even though it's reasonably priced at about 20 times next year's total estimated earnings, it is trading at a valuation at about 27 times trailing, which is a little bit higher than some of the basically trough earnings that we've seen, even relatively recently. To put things in perspective, take a look at where this thing was trading at the end of last year at about 20 times. So when you think about what the downside could provide, you think to yourself, okay, I'm constructive, I'm bullish. But it's a $1,265 stock, and buying 100 of that's 125000 bucks or thereabouts. And there might be a way to make a bullish bet that's going to cost you a little bit less money, risk a lot less money. 
and I was looking out to January the 13. 1400 call spread. You could buy the 1300 calls for 38 bucks when I was looking at this earlier today. Sell the 1400s for 910. Net net, you're spending basically just around 29 bucks or so, $29 a share. So that's not inexpensive by options trading standards because you have each contract representing 100 shares, so that's $2900. But consider the alternative. $126,000 worth of stock or $2900 worth of options, less than 3% of the current stock price to make a bullish bet. Um, you know, going into earnings, you know, that seems like it makes a lot of sense. I mean, what, is, what are the chances that the stock just lingers right here? I don't think that's going to happen. So if it rallies, obviously it works out to be a good trade, but even if it falls, you'll be better off doing this than buying the stock, I think. Do you think Carter's got the direction of the trade right, and do you like Mike's trade? Undoubtedly, Carter has. Listen, here's the thing. <laughs> oh, okay. no, no. This, this company last year, put up, or last quarter, put up a huge number, and the stock gapped up like 9%. Now, it didn't keep that, and that was, I think, a broad market dynamic. And I think if they were to put up the sort of fundamental quality that they did last quarter, the stock's going to break out. What I like most about Mike's trade, that he's allowing some time to happen. Because let's just say the stock doesn't break out right here, but the numbers are good enough. It sells off, let's say, with a broad market for any sort of reason. That's the level it's going to go back to the next time the market rallies or the next time there's a good piece of news. And I think you're kind of set up there to play for the breakout. So I like the technical setup. I suspect the fundamentals are going to be good. And I like the way Mike's playing it with 100 wide put spread to the upside. Right. I mean, the the fascinating thing about setups is that they are fairly optically clear, right? You can see well-defined tops at a common level, and they come in all sizes and shapes. It could be J.P. Morgan and the way that broke out, or Nike did it, uh, or others. They trap you, right? They, they, you think you're going to get the breakout, and somehow it's an earnings beat, and they guide up, but it's not good enough, and the stock actually backs away. But what we do know is it's a major inflection point, and the way it acted last quarter would suggest that you're going to get something big this quarter again. It should be up. I think last quarter is really interesting also simply because what you were talking about, when you get a bad earnings result and the stock gaps down, but then somehow the market forgets all about it over the course of the next 90 days and you're going into the next earnings, that's a very dangerous setup and that's the exact opposite of what we have right here. I think that's what Dan's talking about. We were getting good results out of the company. We believe we're going to get good results out of the company. But even if we don't, this is an options trade that is going to risk relatively little on what is, you know, dollar-wise, quite an expensive stock to buy a round lot in. If you are right on Google, does the trajectory of the NASDAQ 100 or your outlook for the NASDAQ 100 change at all, given the pretty well, good reaction yeah. we saw to Amazon well, today, right. Intel, Right, but we're this. still churning, which you can uh-huh. see, right? So here's the interesting thing. At this point, I mean, I, in a pairs world, I would be long Google and short Apple. And if you do some comparative charts of that, we do a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff, this is an ideal moment to fade one and to double back and catch the other. Dan would like that, I think. No, I do like that. And I also would, let's just talk MAGA for a quick second. I mean, Microsoft had good results. The stock has not and, broken and out of that not, range. It's true. kind of stuck in the mud. Google might be stuck a little bit. Apple has clearly gotten ahead of itself. And Amazon, I don't think that thing's going to be making a new time anytime soon. So I think MAGA as a complex is kind of stuck a little bit. And I think Apple is going to be the most important one next week. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's the big heavyweight, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. of course, it, it carries outsized impact. You know, the point I would make is that you know Apple has traditionally had massive cash flow and a cheap valuation as the primary reason why you want to buy it. 
One of those remains true. Only one of them. Okay. Valuation is not so remarkably cheap anymore. We're trading at about 20 times. That's probably fairly priced, but anything disappointing, and it's going to hurt this stock, and it's going to hurt the market. All right. Well, from big tech to heavy metal, U.S. Steel forging ahead into its earnings report next Thursday, but still looking for a way to stop the bleeding from the trade war. This was a $45 stock back in March of last year before the Trump tariff fallout kneecap shares, but that feels like eons ago, and now the stock barely trades in the double digits. As U.S. Steel gears up to test its metal next week, <laughs> Dan um, says the stock may have found a bottom. What do you see? Yeah, so really interesting. You just mentioned March of 2018, and that is when Trump uh, put these 25% tariffs on steel imports, 10% on aluminum, and that was the multi-year high in letter X in U.S. Steel that day. Okay, and the stock has sold off 75% since then. We have a one day uh, one or chart since it started 2018. If you look at this downtrend, it has just been something. Uh, you know, just take a and draw a line um, right there. It's been bouncing off a 10 a couple of times or a handful of times in the last couple of months here. Short interest is at 33%. Wall Street analysts hate it. There's two buys, eight holds, and six sells. Um, you know, I, I look at this and I say to myself, they don't even have to say anything good. They just don't have to say anything bad, and this stock probably rallies. The other thing that got me thinking about this is, like, Mel, you just mentioned Cat Tractors had a nice rally over the last week and a half. Triple M, some of these industrials, um, FedEx, you know, there's not a whole heck of a lot of good stuff going on in any of those places, but I think investors are starting to discount that the worst is behind them. So I look at a letter X. It's a, uh, reports next week. The implied move in the options market is 8%. That doesn't seem like a whole heck of a lot. When you consider the stock is down 35% in the year, it's moved on average about 8% over the last four quarters. Um, so to me, I think this sets up as a kind of interesting contrarian trade. You know, looking at the options market, you probably want to give it a little time to play out. If they do say anything good, the stock's going higher. I don't think you want to play with spreads. I think you just want to buy outright calls. So looking at November expiration, you got about three weeks right now. Um, the 12 calls when the stock was 11.70 were offered about 58 cents. That breaks even up at 1258, about 7.5% from the trading level here inside the implied move. And if you get this thing right, this thing's going much higher. I think the breakdown level from earlier in the year is about 15 bucks. That would be what my target would be. I don't think you want to play in weeklies. That's a bit binary. You get the direction wrong. You get the whole trade wrong. At least if the market breaks out, Decent enough news. It looks like investors are looking for beta, and you may find it in a name like you're, this. You're looking at a name that's very close to its trough valuations here. And I just want to point out that this is a company that has, relatively speaking, quite a lot of debt on its balance sheet. So it's got about $2.7 billion worth of debt and a total enterprise value of about $4 billion. How does that translate into moves off of something like earnings, and why does it make sense to play options here? Very simply, the more levered the balance sheet is, the more volatile the equity is. And when you buy options, you're buying options on the equity. The equity is basically levered by more than two to one here. So what you're really doing is you're basically getting a lot of convexity. And that's why you just want to buy call options. It may seem like a 7.5% move is a lot to expect out of a stock. And for some, it is. But for a stock like this, it most definitely is not. And what an amazing thing, just before talking about the stock, that, that this was the largest company in the world at one point. And here it is, barely, barely a mid-cap, $2 billion. General Motors is the largest company in the world at one point. Exxon was, IBM. It just shows that nothing lasts forever. And here we are talking about U.S. Steel, basically a piker, not relevant, but you can still make money. So very speculative, obviously. It feels as though it's a minor base, and so that it's asymmetrical. If you do get some kind of thing, 
you're expecting you will get a really, it's the kind of thing that give you a 10% move, a 12% move, whereas it, it doesn't at this point look as though you're going to get that kind of move to the downside. Yeah, and I would just make one last point. We have a five-year chart here. If you look at the 2016 lows, right. it traded as low as 6 bucks, and this is one of the reasons why you would want to define your risk to make a contrarian bet, because if you get this wrong and it's an all-out disaster, the stock's going to be a hat size, and that's not really something that I think makes a whole heck of a lot of sense when you're trying to just kind of take a flyer on something because there's no way to put your finger on it and say, that's it, this is it. And there's also, like AK Steel's kind of in this boat, Nucor, you look at Glencore uh, in the UK. So they're, 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 the rate of change, they're not continuing to make new lows, but they haven't come to life, and that might be the opportunity. Okay. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can check out our super cool newsletter. In the meantime, here's what's coming up next. The Bears were chasing the bird this week as shares of Twitter tanked on the back of its earnings report. But our Mike Coe says if you think the social stock could flap back, there's a safer way to play it. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. The bears are out for the bluebird, with Twitter shares uh, taking it on the chin this week, falling almost 23% after a big earnings whiff. But if you're betting the stock could turn and take flight, Mike Coe's laying out a way to trade it with his call to action. He's over at the plasma to break it down for us. Mike. Yeah, so this was a pretty disastrous week, obviously, for Twitter. One of the most common questions that people who give advice on options get is, I owned a stock, and now it has basically punched me in the nose how can I make my money back? Well, obviously, we can't unwind trades that have already lost money. But there are things you can do to recover a little bit without risking a whole lot more money. So if you're in Twitter and you're thinking to yourself, OK, what can I do now? I'm thinking about buying more stock. The first thing I would say is don't buy more stock. Uh, we're likely to encounter some resistance. So the first thing is do not try to catch the falling knife. We're going to try to give you a way to maybe get a little bit more money. This stock is very likely to encounter some upside resistance if it does recover. And one of the reasons, which Carter will be happy to elaborate on, is that you're going to have a bunch of very ready and willing sellers if you get anywhere back close to where it was before they obviously had this big gap down. The whole idea here is to try to boost the gains that you're going to get if it has a modest recovery, maybe even some form of a dead cat bounce. So let's take a look at what happened here one of the things you might be doing, if you take a look at a one-year chart, you might say, well, take a look. You know, Back in 2018, this was obviously a very weak period for the stock and for the market generally. Maybe I'm not taking a whole lot of risk by buying the stock here. I mean, you're only dealing with a couple percent. But I'd actually encourage you to take a longer look. We're looking at a five-year chart now. And we can see that other than the end of 2018, if we're going to go back down to these levels, that's significant downside. That's not a risk that you're going to be inclined to take. So what's the trade here? I was looking at December, the 32-35 one-by-two call spread. So you would buy against your long stock one of the 32 calls for a dollar, sell two of the 35s against it for 40 cents. Net-net, you're spending about 20 cents per share to put this trade on. The idea here is 
that if the stock does bounce, it doesn't have to get anywhere close to where it just fell. If it bounces, you're essentially going to double the performance on your long stock position by three bucks in this region right here. You're going to end up selling it out at 35, but the whole idea here is that if it gets back to this level, and I don't think it will anytime soon, but even if it did, that's essentially where you're going to see big levels of resistance. So the idea here is if you get a little bit of a bounce, you have an opportunity to recover some of the losses that you just took without committing more capital to buying the stock, which I think would be a dangerous exercise. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, well, I'll let him speak to you. The 35, the, the level that you sell in the two calls makes sense. That was the breakdown level. Um, the idea is that you're going to spend 20 cents to possibly make another 280 if the stock was back at 35. That's how you kind of get yourself back in the money to those levels prior to earnings. So I like the trade structure. I think it makes total sense. I really like the duration, too. December seems like a reasonable amount of time, but it would take a piece of fundamental news to change the story. I don't think that's really going to happen, but you're not paying a whole heck of a lot to have that up side leverage if it happens. Yeah, talk about it getting punched in the face. Actually, we've had this on <laughs> we've had this on buy list recently. So, as as just as you've characterized it, sometimes it all goes the wrong way. What to do? First loss, best loss is one of the great adages in markets. Just take your medicine. Two, don't catch the falling knife. These are adages that are around for a reason. Um, and it, stock itself, I just walk away. If you take the loss and uh, lick the wounds and move on. In terms of um, Upside, after you have a gap like that on 100 million shares, uh, you've left so many people stranded above that even if it were to have some upside, they're, they're, what's the definition of interested sellers? And it, 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 this makes it a burden stock, and there is basically no reason, and let's end with this, it's now below its IPO price. I mean, uh, the, uh, this is a mess. Yeah, uh, talking about burden stocks, one of the things that this strategy looks a little bit like is if you sell a covered call against stock. This is similar in some respects to that. When do you do trades like that? When you think that there's limited upside and you're looking to collect some premium. Here, the premium you're looking to collect is some kind of a dead cat bounce. But this is definitely a situation where you're going to have elevated volatility because of what has happened. And there is going to be strong resistance above the current stock price. And so, you know, selling some upside probably makes some sense, which is why we're looking at the one by two. Did you say you had it on the buy list recently? We've had it on buy list recently. In the, from a technical basis or yeah. a fundamental no, basis? Not fun. No, no, I'm talking about, I've had it. I don't You've do, had it I don't do fundamentals, list. as right, you know. No, right. I thought maybe yeah. somebody else. Yeah, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I've had it. Thinking that this sell-off was down to a level of support right. where you would get a pop-like reaction on earnings. In fact, it's the exact opposite, right? Punched yeah. in the face. Is that just you started out your... Last word, Dan? Yeah, I think it's going much lower, to be frank. I, I actually think they blame the disappointing earnings on some bugs in the way they're kind of, yeah. I, I hate those excuses. I think the platform is really spent. I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be trying to buy the, the falling knife. <laughs> All right. Up next, one of our traders is betting on a bond breakout as we gear up for next week's big Fed decision. We'll tell you how he is playing another rate route. Plus, it's Friday, so now's your chance to tweet us your burning questions at Options Action, and you might just get your answer on air. We're live from the NASDAQ. Don't go anywhere. Much more Options Action coming up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. A couple weeks back, our very own Bank Bear said J.P. Morgan might jump higher. 
We have a two-year chart of J.P. Morgan. This thing has been routinely rejected between 119 and 120, dating back to um, you know early 2018, and it's having obviously some some trouble there. That being said, it's the only major bank on the planet that has made a new high since the financial crisis, and it's obviously best of breed. You could buy the December 120 calls for three bucks when the stock was trading at 117. Well, J.P. Morgan's up about 11% since that call with some time left on the trade. What do you do now, Dan? Yeah, so I think you probably rolled this thing. It's had a nice run over the last month. I think it traded as low as 111 earlier in the month, and now it's about 126 or so. So the December 120 call is $6 in the money. It closed at about 795 Um you know, you, you probably took some profits already. You could have spread this thing because it was an outright call purchase. What I would probably do is take the gain. And if you're continually bullish on the name, you might want to think about rolling up and out. And for instance, the January 130 call now is offered at $2.50. That would break even on January expiration at 132 half. That's probably how I would trade this if I remain bullish on the story. All right. Well, meanwhile, back in September, Cohen Carter called for a big bond bounce. Here's the TLT. Here's the trend line on the TLT. And while we are not quite there, to be fair, we are getting awfully close. And so the thinking is that on any incremental thing, the betting is that TLT is going to be good for a bounce. What I was looking at was the November 136-144 call spread. That thing was slightly in the money. Well, we are just a few days away from an important Fed decision on rates. So with a few weeks left in this trade, what do you do now, Mike? Uh, well, first of all, if you were in this thing, you did see some profits. It is actually profitable now because I think we were around 137 and change at the time. But I actually am going to defer to uh, Carter's take on it right here. Right. So there was a changes. nice bounce, right? And then some of that's been sort of walked back. And this is the biggest subject in all markets, right? And it's happening globally. This bump up in rates, is this the beginning of a more structural thing? Or is it just that another bump up in an ongoing slide to lower and lower rates? That's my long-term premise, and I, I think that's the case. So could we get to back to that September 13th high of 1.9? That's about where we were. Okay, maybe, but I don't think much more. Yeah, if people had this trade on, there's a good chance that some of you monetized it already. That would be my guess. But the other thing is there's not a lot of decay in this trade either, so there's little harm in holding it in here. Okay, up next, the final call. Final call, Carter. Google at a key level, uh, 2.5% move would get you to a new all-time high. Implied move is 4.5% on earnings. We're buyers. Mike. Yeah, it's tough to chase markets when they're basically all-time highs, but you don't have to just buy call spreads. January 13, 1400 in Google. Dan. Yeah, U.S. Steel and earnings next week calls look interesting. Have a great weekend. Mad Money's up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.